And so Daniel purposes in his heart that he doesn't want to defile himself. Now, I think this is important because if we're not going to either completely accommodate the culture that we live in, if we're not going to withdraw from it, how do you function within it right here? You purpose purity in your heart. You make very specific decisions about who you are, about who the Lord is, and about how you're supposed to live in the midst of this culture. So how do you make it through life in a culture that wants to take Jesus out of everything? Well, today, Pastor Daniel shares that the answer is found in Daniel's example. You see, Daniel was an exile in a country that wanted nothing to do with God or his ways. But instead of being swept away or living entirely separate from the culture he was in, Daniel purposed for purity. He made specific decisions about how he would live to follow God. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, as he continues his message, When the Worlds Collide. Really what we have is that for the children of Israel, they've been exiled out of their comfort zone, out of the land that they live, and they're being sent to a land and a culture that does not value what they value. But they haven't been exiled for no reason. There's details about, and God, even though the children of Israel were disobedient, and he sent them into Babylon, God's doing a work. Now, for many of you, especially those of you who are a little bit older, you look at our culture today and you say, what happened to this world that we live in? Some of you were around in the roaring 50s and the trippy 60s and the disco 70s, you know, and you remember what the world was like before it seemed all convoluted and like, even though not everyone was a follower of Jesus, the world was kind of pasteurized. Everyone was kind of the same. And now you're like, what is going on? What I want to tell you is that God is right in the midst of this generation. That even though we live in a culture that does not value necessarily the things of God and is actively opposed to the things of God, God has us with feelings of exile in this culture that we live in, but he has us there because God wants to have an impact. God wants to do a work. But God has set the stage for Daniel and his friends. And I believe also God is right in the middle of what is going on right now. They were sent there by the purposes and plans of God. You want another one of these, exiled for impact? Think about the life of Abraham. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Abraham has that great patriarch of the faith. It says, now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, God tells Abram, I want you to leave where you are and I want you to go to a place that you don't even know where it is, but guess what? I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna do a work and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that includes all of us if you're in Christ because you become partakers of the gift to God through the lineage of Abraham 
the man Christ Jesus, the Lord and Savior. In this cultural moment that we live in, guess what? God has sent us into this world, into this culture. Why? Because he wants to bless us. And through us, he wants to bless the world. But you see why if you compromise and accommodate the culture, you can't be a vehicle for God's blessing. Or if you withdraw and hide out and hide away, you can't be a vehicle for God's blessing either. So what you realize, and I realize, is that God has exiled us from a culture that doesn't value what we value, put us into a world that doesn't line up where there's this tension, this friction, but he wants to do it for impact. Now, notice how God works all this out though, because first we find that they end up going in and also some of the utensils from the house of God end up in Babylon. I want to just make a mental note of that a little bit later on in this study, not today, but in the, in the subsequent message, we're going to see these things come on out and how God's going to use these, these articles, these pieces of furniture, these utensils from the temple. But then it goes on. Notice what it says in verse three. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, or the chief of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. So listen, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's smart. He's out conquering. He's subjugating different people. And he's saying, this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to go out and find those who've been raised with privilege, those who are smart, those who are good looking, who are flawless. And what I want you to do is I want you to collect all those guys and they're going to come and they're going to be trained in all of our wisdom. So he's smart. He's like, he's, it's almost like Nebuchadnezzar's university. I'm going to take the best and the brightest from all these different nations and I'm going to bring them in and I'm going to educate them so that their wisdom can now become part of my kingdom. Now, if you think about this, imagine you are one of these guys, right? You didn't just choose to go to the land of Shinar, to Babylon. You had to go there. You were subjugated, right? Now, I've never had that experience, but if I did, that would be a very disconcerting experience. It would be a very scary experience, but all of a sudden now, you get to live in the palace. You get to eat of the king's delicacies, of his wine, and you get three years free education. It's like, this is a great gig. Because when you're going in exile, you have no clue what's going to go on. I mean, people who are exiled out of their country, it's not a beautiful thing or a wonderful thing. So this is an amazing opportunity for the people who get this opportunity. And we meet some of these guys. Now from among those of the sons of Judah, verse six, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave the names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So we meet four guys from Judah. We know them as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now we realize Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that was their Babylonian names. Now, before I go any further, for those of you who are looking for baby names, the first seven verses of the book of Daniel is rocking. I have never met an Ashpenaz before, but I want to. I have never met an Abednego, but we should. And the only time I've ever heard the name Nebuchadnezzar outside of the Bible is in the Matrix movie. And let the hearer understand. But like, you want to have a Nebuchadnezzar, don't you? You'd be like, hey, yo, Nebu, come on, Nebi. 
That's an aside. That's just between me and you guys. It's just if you're looking for cool names, we got a whole plethora. But you know what we find here? And I have all the meanings of these guys' names. But what you find is Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those names are deeply theological. It's all about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then when they go to Babylon, they get new names. And guess what they do? They take all the religious connotations from the people of Israel out of it. And I'm here to tell you, our culture is trying to do that to us as Christians. You ever meet someone, you're like, so, you know, you're like, I'm a Christian. You're like, this person is deeply religious. You know how that, no, you said you're a Christian, but you're deeply religious. Why? Because when you say Christ or Jesus, now all of a sudden there's some teeth to it. That's why we put up these billboards that say Jesus is real. You know why we do this? Because Jesus ain't messing around. You could say, oh, God is real. But you know what the problem is? Everyone believes in God. It's which God do you believe in? But Jesus is very specific. And we live in a culture that's trying to take Jesus out of everything. Now, listen, when I say that, what I'm not saying is that we should hate our culture. No, 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 Because you know what? Our culture teaches that we should hate things that are different from us. Our Bible say we should love everybody. So the whole idea that we're against the culture, no, 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 no. We're part of this culture. God has a plan. He's exiled each one of us for impact in this culture. But we choose to have impact by loving, even though our culture doesn't agree. We're not upset with them for not agreeing. God's got a plan. So what we find here, that these guys are going to become major characters in this entire book. They're exiled for impact. Now, let's see how this all works. How does a person who is in an exiled culture, who's living in a culture that values different things from what they value, how are they supposed to live? Now, notice what it says, picking up in verse 8. It says, but Daniel. Now, notice that first word. What's the first word? But. You guys know, if you've been here at all, I love the buts of the Bible. I'm a big fan of the buts in the Bible because the word but, it's a contrast word. I don't know why you guys are giggling. It's just the word but. But it's a contrasting word. So you have, they're there, but Daniel, notice, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. And so Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. My friends, you want to have impact in this world? Like Daniel, you need to purpose for purity. See, Daniel is in this other culture that has a different set of values. And even though it was an amazing opportunity, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. See, Daniel realized that the very reason the children of Israel were in Babylon was because they rebelled against God's law. 
And when you look at the king's delicacies, the meat and the wine, in Daniel's mind, he's like, this is unclean. This was sacrificed to idols. We would have never eaten these things. And so Daniel purposes in his heart that he doesn't want to defile himself. Now, I think this is important. Because if we're not going to either completely accommodate the culture that we live in, if we're not going to withdraw from it, how do you function within it right here? You purpose purity in your heart. You make very specific decisions about who you are, about who the Lord is, and about how you're supposed to live in the midst of this culture. Because I know what's going on. In 21st century America, the culture is so strong that for most of us, we are not purposing purity. Long before you act, you make decisions of the heart where all the control center happens. And when you do not make intentional, purposeful decisions about who you are and who you will be, this culture will eat your purpose for lunch. It will. So Daniel said, I realize the reason we are here is because we rebelled against God's law, and I am not looking to be like that. Now, what I love about Daniel is Daniel doesn't just complain about the culture. Daniel comes with a solution. He goes to the guy who's overseeing him, and he says, listen, is it possible that we not eat the king's portion? And the dude's like, bro, no way. As you're going to see, Nebuchadnezzar, he's got an itchy trigger finger. Nebuchadnezzar likes some blood. You can see the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar is all over the place. Right at the drop of the hat, he's killing somebody. He's got a little bloodlust going on. And so the guy's like, look, I don't want to mess with that. And Daniel's like, well, let's, let's do this. For 10 days, let us be vegetarians. I mean, Daniel, he purposed for purity. He chose to be a vegetarian. I know all you guys are like, wow, that's deep. And he said, look, and for 10 days, let me and my friends here just eat vegetables and water and then at 10 days, check us out. Let's do an audit to see how we're looking. And as long as we look good, then let us roll. And the guy's like, well, I can do that. 10 days, it's like, we're going to be fine. See, Daniel starts bringing solutions. He's trying to figure out, how can I proactively live in this world? I need purpose for purity. Now, i got to ask you, have you purpose for purity? Because this is what I want to tell you. Because of the world that we live in, because of the world that we live in, there are so many cultural values that our Bible says don't do that. And for many of us, we are just accommodating the culture. The culture says, listen, sleep around. Who cares? And the Bible says, no, 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 you are way more than just a body. Our culture says, listen, man, weed's legal. Light it up, dude. And our Bibles say that we should be set apart. God created us exactly the way he wanted us to be. We don't need some recreational substance to have a good time. You know, our world says, bye, 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 load up your credit cards, go ahead. And our Bible says, no, no, you should be fiscally prudent. You should be generous with your money, not just using it all on yourself. But you know what happens if we don't purpose purity? If we don't, if you and I do not make very specific decisions about who we are in Christ, this world will drive it. And this reminds me of Romans chapter 12, verses one to two. It says, I beseech you, that means I implore you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and that acceptable and that perfect will of God. See, what he's saying is that for you and I, just like Daniel, we need to make a decision of who we are. And know what I want to tell you? 21st century American Christianity is a lot of fence-sitting going on. There's people that got one foot in the church, they got one foot in the culture. 
you know what the problem is? If you're one of those people, and listen, let's be honest, in this day and age, lots of us are there. Where it's like, I believe in Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus, but your lifestyle, you had all these things that you know is wrong, but you're doing it anyway. But you know what happens when you're there? You're completely uncomfortable. There is a tension in your heart. Why? Because you were never created to sit on a fence. See, fences exist to make a differentiation or a delineation between in and out. And what I want to tell you, if you're on the fence, you got to pick a side. Because you sitting on the fence is radically uncomfortable because it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Fences are not meant to be sat on. And what happens for some of you, you got one foot in Jesus and Jesus keeps you from enjoying the culture and you got one foot in the culture that keeps you from enjoying Jesus. And here's the thing. I want you to pick a side. Because if you want to choose being like this culture, hook, line, and sinker, then you should do that and stop giving Jesus a bad name. Oh, yeah, temper clap. Listen, I realize you're not supposed to preach this way if you want to pastor a large church. That's what they say. They say, you want to pastor, you just make everyone feel good. Listen, the reason you hate sitting on the fence is because you weren't created to sit on the fence. But so many of us, you are trying to enjoy all the culture and enjoy Jesus. I'm here to tell you it is not possible because you need the purpose that I am on Jesus' side of the fence. I still live in this world, but I am not going to be conformed to this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what happens is, is that if you choose to conform to this culture, then you will have what this culture offers. And I'm here to tell you what it offers is grasping for the wind. The perpetual search of happiness, but never finding it. I'm going to gain everything and I lose my own soul. That's what you have offered or you have life in Christ. And Jesus isn't going to say you can't enjoy things, but you enjoy things in their proper domain. See, the Bible says have as much sex as you want. The Bible says, no, you're going to have the most amazing lovemaking with your husband or wife, depending on your gender. But it's going to be not with everybody. It's going to be within a covenant of somebody who you spend the rest of your life with high up and low down. You can have amazing amounts of fun, but it's really not going to involve a hangover. You know what I mean? You're going to have all these material things to enjoy, but more than the enjoyment of those things, you're going to see all that you have as a vehicle to bless the world. God offers a more excellent way, but you have to purpose purity in your heart. You have to be like Daniel, where Daniel said, even though I am in Babylon, I am not going to be like Babylon. I'm not going to do as the Romans do when in Rome. I'm going to be, this is who I am in Christ. And how many of us today, you need to make a brand new purpose for purity. That the life that you've been living is not the life that you know you're supposed to be. But what happens when you make this intentional, purposeful decision When you say, I am a follower of Jesus, then all these decisions actually get made for you. You don't even have to question them. There's this, like, it's all these decisions that get made. And what you find is that because Daniel purposed for purity, you notice that after 10 days, Daniel and the boys were better. They were fatter. There was more than the love. It makes no sense, but it makes total sense. Why? Because God's blessing was upon their lives. And I realize that God's ways seem strange, but when we walk in God's ways, God's blessings become part of our lives. So listen, you want to have impact in this world, real impact? 
You need a purpose purity in your heart. And I notice again, in the first section we saw, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim into his hand. Now we say, now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. See how God is all over this story? Now notice what happens next. I'm going to close out the sermon with this. Look at this, verse 17. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then, verse 19, the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. Thus, Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. You see this? See, these guys were exiled for impact and they purposed purity. And then when it's time at the end of the three years of schooling for their final examination... These four guys excelled. These four guys were 10 times wiser than all of the wisdom of the Chaldeans. Why? Because God gave them wisdom. My friends, listen. You've been gifted for glory. You have been gifted for glory. Now, when I say gifted for glory, I don't mean you've been gifted for your glory. That's the way our culture works. You have gifts, you use them for your own glory. You've been gifted for God's glory. See, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel, their giftings end up being a huge witness, not only to Nebuchadnezzar, but all of the Babylonian Empire. And God's desire, he has given you unique gifts that he wants to be used for his glory in the midst of a culture that does not believe what we believe, value what we value. In some ways, you can take Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and you can hang it over the entire book of Daniel. It's a classic verse, right? Let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. My friends, when you realize that God has chosen each one of us for this cultural moment, this one right now, not looking back to yesteryear or last decade, but right now, in this world, right, and he wants you to have an impact, and when you say, I'm going to purpose purity in my heart, and I'm going to follow the Lord, and I'm going to say no to certain things so I can say yes to certain other things, right, then all of a sudden, your gifts are on display. And when people see the good works that God prepared you before the foundations of the earth that you would walk in, they're going to give glory to God. Jesus is Pastor Daniel wrapped up today's teaching with the reminder that you have been gifted for God's glory. God wants you to use your special blend of talents and abilities in significant ways. But this isn't so that people will think that you're amazing. No, these gifts showcase God's goodness and provision. When you purpose in your heart to live purely and you make choices that back up that purpose, you'll have opportunities to use your abilities to benefit the people around you. And this will point to the Lord and give Him glory. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy. 
And the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be. And it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will explore how times of crisis reveal who we really are. You'll study a significant moment of crisis in the life of Daniel and see what you can learn from his response to this situation. Like Daniel, you have an opportunity to let hard times pull you away from the Lord or draw you toward Him. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Friction. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.